0: If you would like to unmute yourself, you can certainly request that as well and join us backstage now as we can delve into this in a bit more casual format. And we might even spin the wheel again as well once we've addressed your questions. So hit us up. Any questions from the audience? Okay. Hello. Let's see what Janet's hey, got. Janet. Thanks for joining us.
1: Well, yes. And I didn't realize I was going to end up popping up so quick, but... Um... Yes, I'm in the middle of change. It seems like every day. Our we have Board Association Management Company and we manage five different nonprofit trade associations, all in the government water sector. And originally we had all of our events moved to virtual this year. We ended up moving in July to November out in California to be able to go in person we had an event in september in austin area that was going to be moved to virtual and we had a retreat last week our first in person meeting there. and so our board couldn't stand not getting together so they held a retreat so they could drink wine together and get together because they they missed it That's and during do. that and during that retreat we decided we're going to go back in person and as part of going in person, that means we need to be hybrid because we already paid for a conference platform. And we have a lot of um, federal um, presenters that probably cannot come in person. We don't want to drop them off of the program. So that, that part will be easy because we can pre record. And we already talked about pre recording all the presentations. However, all the panels will be in person, which is what was planned, anyways. Now I need to figure out how I can pre record my virtual panelists with my in-person panelists for the attendees to also be in-person and virtual. So I'm looking at all of these changes right now. And this is September and we're, you know, where we renegotiated the contract since we already moved it to 22. So I'm almost final with that contract. And I'm working on audio budgets and I already have the conference platform set. I already have the in-person audiovisual set. Now I need to figure out if I can afford a videographer to be in person to record in person as well as virtual.
2: Janet, can I, can I time you out for one second? Yes. <laughs> I love how you are thinking about your problem, but you're also completely in the process mode of what you're doing, right? You would yes. alienate an executive within the first two paragraphs of what you just said. Right. And I'm being Dutch with you here because I'm originally Dutch. I'm also very neutral because I live in Switzerland, but we would challenge these kinds of conversations immediately because, um, the, the wiring behind the computer is not what I'm interested in when I want to access, let's say the outcome of the screen, right. Just to give a, a small digital example how might we help Janet, right? So Janet, so you're you're in this situation, right? The board wants to drink wine together and yet you also have digital people who cannot join the board there. And then you have, I didn't fully kind of grasp the whole thing, but I heard things, this is about water, right? Water and wine yeah. don't normally mix very well, but let's pretend.
1: <laughs> you cannot <laughs> have wine without water.
2: <laughs> that's very true, right? So you might want wine, but you need water, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is a wants and needs question that you're talking about here, and it's a good thing we just addressed it. Um, if you would have one question to your executive right now, right? So you get you get um, you get ten minutes with executives, right? Your board is all attentions. Uh, they're actually in the meeting right here. They're listening to you, um, and you could uh, present your case. What would you ask them?
1: Well, I would ask them how important it was to incorporate those that might not be able to be in person because we don't have a budget for it. And so that's the tricky part.
2: Okay. Let's formulate that into a question because you already gave an answer to the question in your Mm -hmm. question, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things as a trusted advisor that you're going to practice more and more is challenging your executive at eye level, right? Um, and challenging them at eye level might be a question, and, and guys, jump in, right? So if we can help Janet, because our board is listening here, right? They're all sitting there drinking wine, passively not switching on their video and audio because they, because they can, right? Because they're digital participants and they can just join in and, and listen in. What question would we ask that those executives? and I can hear the brains cracking. If we have any masterminds- I, I, Well, one of the things I'm thinking about is like,
1: on. when thinking about the outcomes of the event, how does the, how does the budget support that and what, it, what we're trying to accomplish? Um, because that directly impact, well, that, the, the goal of the event should
2: drive like how much budget you're spending instead of the other way around, right? That's
0: what I'm thinking, at least. Yeah. Thanks, Zaman, for jumping. Other thoughts, guys? I'm wondering, how does this specific event relate to the other strategic goals further down the horizon? And then you can start to ask the question, how does combining the virtual and in-person and all those complexity that you just talked about, there was a lot in there, how do each of those pieces provide an incremental change towards that greater goal that they're trying to achieve, a little bit further down the road, maybe the end of the year, if they're not comfortable going five years. But then you can start to say, hey, does this thing, does this segment C of 15 complexities, <laughs> how does this thing aid in achieving that bigger aim that they have, that you have as an executive?
3: That's nice one.
0: I have another one. Two. Events create value
4: to behavior change of their stakeholders, right? You could ask the question looking at um, an in-person uh, attendee or participant and um, a hybrid uh, participant at uh, two separate stakeholders, and uh, looking at what behavior doesn't get changed for the hybrid participant, w- which which is is to be changed for the for the on-site participant. I think. The, 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 the talking about the behavior change and, and, and how that how to either uh, give people an equal experience um, but also to um, to have the, the, to look at um, the behavior change in general and compare compare those two um, like on-site and hybrid. I think that is that is something which is which is extremely important to, uh, to ask um, your your board. Um, permission to either give give you budget to uh to make sure that hybrid participation is at least equal or um to um to have to, to decide other ways right to 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 make to make it only um uh, live and in person and skip skip the hybrid part i think it's also about making choices and ask the board to make choices you shouldn't be burdened with with making these choices and um i, I think uh, creativity and asking questions there is is key, but I think you need to first um, uh, understand what is the question you would like to ask, right? So because I I think that is that is that is crucial. Um, looking at the challenge you have, because I I don't envy you uh, with the challenge you <laughs> the challenge you have, but I think it's all all zooming out a little bit, right? So it's 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 about zooming out because you're in the as Ruth said in the trenches of of the of that of those of the problem. Um, and I think the the, um, uh, the solution doesn't lie in um, a better platform or uh, better better tools or better tech. It is it is actually in the in the beginning, in the start phase, where you make choices. Who do you who do you design for, and who who would you really like to um, to satisfy, and who would you really like to delight? And is there any discrepancy between those stakeholders? um in in importance in power they have or an interest they have uh, and looking at that from the from the very beginning and i know it's um september is soon but these kind of questions will trigger probably um
0: a good conversation and yeah thank you don't wait either it is september so you need to start gearing up and asking questions now and not waiting for that opportune time for sure Um, Well, it
1: will really, right, it'll affect our program if we're not going hybrid, because we have right now very high level government officials in DC, in Denver areas. And if, you know, we go strictly in person, they're not most likely going to attend. Mm -hmm. And that will affect our program significantly, including those that might want to attend in person if they're not on the program.
2: I I think here, Janet, it's sometimes you have to also force some executive decisions on some of these things, right? To call people out on their on where they are. Because if you are, you know, putting duct tape on holes that are in the hybrid budget or in the hybrid solution, that's not going to satisfy the conversation and disrupt the live meeting or disrupt the hybrid meeting. Sometimes you have mm-hmm. to just simplify things you're doing, but also make them stop. And I would encourage you to think down this path, right? So one of the one of the paths that you'll find in this book and this is one of the one of the key visuals in the book just give me a quick thumbs up guys if you can see what yep. i'm sharing here um and we just and lost it let me do that a really quick uh, there we go we'll do that again so yep. what you're what, what you're doing is you're, you're about to enter the event tent right on this level and as a team together you're scrambling to kind of figure out How do we make what's happening inside the tent here, digital and live, work properly? And one of the (laughs) things that we would recommend you to do is, okay, if this is the event you're doing, that's great, but let's think about this one and this one. Uh, But also we encourage you to go up the ladder and go up to your executive and have this conversation about, hey guys, where are we headed? And what's the overarching aim we're headed for over here? Because once you know that and you have a systematic way of designing within the design restrictions of your budget and the time and the things that you have, you can set markers of change into the future. And as a team, you can figure out, this is what we're gonna do for that event over here. And this is how it correlates to what's happening on the horizon over here. And now you're becoming a strategic conversationalist, right? and you're applying your superpowers of being able to not just deliver events, but connect it to the story of what the event is supposed to do and how it creates value for the organization. And then you can basically get rid of the duct tape until you're yeah. in the event because you might need some anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you do, right?
0: We Janet, oh, yeah. kit. Yeah. I don't think we're going to solve your problems right now, uh, but I think we've started an, an interesting conversation and, and I would love to take some other questions from the audience. So, I, But I invite you to connect with us after this to explore this a bit deeper and look at some other, other tools and techniques that you could use to help bring that clarity that you need now and leading up to September. I think that's worth exploring. I'm going to ask Amanda to join us because she has a question as well. Before I do, I'm going to point out Jody Hall's points uh, and while we set Amanda up. And Jody just made, made, made the points for Janet there. What outcomes are you trying to achieve? Is there a behavior change you are seeking? And, uh, and, and could you just stream in your speakers? It's an interesting, interesting viewpoint as well. Amanda. What's your question?
3: Hi, can everyone hear me okay? okay
0: clear,
2: Amanda.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I loved the, the, I think it was called the spaghetti reference from fra- fuzzy to framing to prototyping. Um, one maybe hurdle is a good word to use I have is that um, I am the event department in my company, the sole person. Um, and so, the only person I really have would to to kind of work through that process with in the collaboration um, would be my boss, who is also one of the executives that I would then need to make sure I have everything framed right. Um, and I can't remember who said it, but somebody said executives want outcomes, and so you know you have to present that process as an outcome. Um, so, are there any tips <laughs> for me who who really has to kind of go through this process as a single person as And I don't really have a team I can go through that collaboration process and bounce through it with.
4: Let me. Can I ask a question? Yes. Who is this event for? Or name one. Name one example. What? What? What?
3: Um, So I was the person who earlier put in the tech skills Mm -hmm. event, and so that's one thing that I regularly work with. That's a very large scale event.
4: And um, so, so, you have different stakeholders at your event, right? Um, you have, um, could you, because you're not the only one, right? So there are many people um, in working in a corporation association um, who are managing events on their own. And they also um, um, manage to gather a team. Gathering a team doesn't mean that it has to be your team. It can also be um, stakeholders you you identify. Uh, It could be, um, let's say, for an association, in the association world, it very often happens that you do a reach out to to membership, uh, but also in organizations to to different colleagues. Um, We are designing an event um we used um the last two hours of um four fridays in the, in the next month uh to design who would like to spend some time with us to design that event right so um reaching out to to, to gather a team which is also immediately um um making it much more div- diverse and inclusive to any anyone who would like to participate and people like to have a challenge and people like to have a, a problem to crack and if you then present them a methodology to um, um, to to do that with, uh, then it's not a blah blah, and it's not a, a vague brainstorm, but it's a it's a, s- a systematic approach to uh, to design that that event, right? That kit could be, and it is showing the blah blah reducer, we use um, normally an event design facilitation kit, which is actually helping you um, uh, through a card deck um, of um, with with some like. 50 pages of asking questions, guiding a team through a process, uh, helping you to to do that. Um, Design is not a a solo sport. Design is a team sport. That's something which is really, really important. What we do through our methodology is not um, um, uh, um, making design happen in one of the corner offices of uh, of your building, but to democratize event design, as such, to uh, enable as many people in the world practice um, um, Event Canvas methodology to design events. Um, reason, reason why I'm saying that is that there are many people across across the globe, and Jody is in in our session here, and she is a certified event designer, and she um, actually designed. Um, with a group of remote people from her class in, the co- in, in, in her cohort, her, her event, right? So, this is a way how you can also include people from outside of your organization to help you crack that problem. And then you would say, probably, hey, but these people don't know my organization.
2: And I you would. An Sorry? I have an idea. Good, yeah. So, what if the people that have those really high skills, right? What, what kind of skills do they have, uh, Amanda?
3: Um, So this particular competition, um, I'm in the trucking industry. So it's diesel technicians um, or salespeople and and things in that world.
2: Excellent. So imagine that those have the highest, so the people with the highest skills, right? Okay. That's great. You celebrated them. They've shown it a couple of times, but how do you elegantly offboard them from the top skills leaderboard and you could promote them to your event design team, right? Which gives you like the cream of the crop gets to join the event design team. So we design a way for those that need to build their skills to get to the level where they are at. And they can help you figure out and crack the problem and be in spaghetti mode together, because if they were good at building those skills, they're probably also keen to develop new skills. Yeah. So this would solve two problems. The first one is you take them off the leaderboard, you give them an honorary role because they know something that the other people don't know. And they help you become your design team and you can design with them the future for all those other people that you want to up the skills for. And then you can take the top of them again and they can be your
0: perpetual event design team. I like it. Yeah, who knows? Give it a try. See if it works. (laughs) We're getting some positive response from the audience on that tip. Um, And Heather has a good point. Join your local uh, MPI, ILEA, and network associations with fellow event planners. Create relationships when you meet a few hours each week to talk through designs and ideas. Like Build a community, basically, is what I'm taking from this, and I think that's really valuable. I want to thank you, Amanda, because you presented... You managed to ask a question that aligned with what the wheel told us to do. You were asking a process or outcome question, so that was really, really valuable. And we're not going to answer it right now, uh, but uh, this is me padding in the hope that someone else in the audience... Is getting their question ready to jump in in a second. Uh, one of the questions we ask in that chapter in the workbook is, how would you? And I've paraphrased a little bit, but how would you build rapport with the event owner to gain their trust in you, your team, and the event design process you intend to use? I think mean, that's a pretty, pretty. That's really a lot of the question that you were putting out to us, and something that's I hope Amanda, you're you're ready to explore a bit more. Is there anyone else in the audience that would like to jump in with a question?
2: And in the meantime, I'll tag on to what you just said, uh, uh, yeah. Anthony, because being okay with not knowing is part of being a trusted advisor. If you continuously shoot from the hip with solutions like an engineer, you are not a designer. Designers are okay with being in the know, know, no N-O, not N-K-N-O-W, right? I I do not know. (laughs) It's okay not to know, but you have to be in a perpetual state of wonder to want to explore the problem with other people because then together, if you have a systematic way to crack it from the stakeholder perspective and think like these people, then you have the start of creating not just the trust in The group of people that do it, but also getting your executives to be okay with not knowing. Because none of you know, but it's good not to know. It's not a bad thing not to know. And I think being okay with that is actually a really strong thing. I think Zaman has his hand up. Zaman is actually in Vegas right now, I see, or in Paris. I don't know, either of the two. (laughs) But I think he's actually near your neck of the woods, Anthony, isn't he? Yeah, it's
0: runner. Zaman, what do you got for us?
1: Yeah, I I just put a background for Vegas to... (laughs) seem like i'm there
0: live vicariously
1: (laughs) um my question is like how do you communicate and follow up on these outcomes because i i think that's when you build a lot of trust with your event owners and they see oh this provides value to me how how do you go about following up with that
2: um with the outcomes that you set up for yourself Ooh, that's a great question and Zaman, you have you are a certified event designer, so you know how to create prototypes for somebody to select from multiple uh, options. One of the things that we found is that's also hard as a designer is to let go of the prototype that was chosen and to let it be delivered, right? It could be that you're the designer and the one that fulfills, but sometimes you're not. And then you see the end results. And what we like to do with end results is to get to do a baseline and a baseline is basically looking at it at face value and looking at it through the eyes of the stakeholders you designed for looking at the experience journey look at the instructional design check against the expectations measure the kpis and the satisfaction check the entry and exit behaviors right have we addressed the right kind of pains have we created enough gains did they commit the same amount of time that we designed for did they get the returns that we were promising them? What jobs did it get done? What's the promise of the event that we actually set out to do? And did it actually do that? So if you designed the narrative before and you've written it down, if you have the pictures, the videos, the experiences of people that have gone through it and you match it with the picture, you can spot the 10 differences. And I think the only effort that creates is to go back into the design cycle Could be right after the event could even be during the event look at the example we spoke about with wc 18 right we basically all the stakeholders were at the event why not you know well we were lucky because these are all people that are open to design the the far future event four years down the line whilst they're at the current event because they're geeky about events right Uh, but even in events that are not about events we've been able to interest people from the different stakeholders groups whether it's thought leaders and you know sponsors and participants and and event owners and even on site you can get a lot of this information and they will tell you absolute gold dust. Can I can give you an example? The man. Sure. Uh, one of the one of the
4: projects we have recently done is um is for the Wikimedia Foundation. Um and um and one of the one of the things they they did is actually they they started from scratch um, um uh, with a steering committee and then with the organizing and, and transferring that to the organizing committee. So uh, in, in, I think, 10 design sprints, we helped them to get to the end result, which was um, uh, carried forward by the, by the organizing committee. And what, what people from the very beginning of, of the conception of the event canvas said is like, this is something uh, could, which, which could function as a compass, right? As After the design session, you have, have the outcome, which is the event design, which is the chosen prototype. And then, um, in the six months after, or the twelve months after, that design needs to needs to be brought to reality. And actually, and, and that is that is what 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 where what role you could assume is, and that that's something um, we do with uh, uh, Wikimedia Wikimedia Foundation. Is we be we are the conscious, we are the design conscious, right? So for every month we have a check in with the organizing committee. And every month they bounce off ideas, and every month we have discussions on, yeah, but that was not part of the initial design, right? So, and then they say, that was not feasible, or they, they, they have other um, other ways to express why that doesn't work. Um, and then we we always try to try to get them back, wheel them back into like, okay, what was the intent of the design? What was the idea behind it? And then let's rethink, right? Because. Um, we very well know that uh, reality is is um, is difficult sometimes, um, for, especially for for translating the design into a linear program. But hey, that's that it, that is that is something you could uh, you could use to uh, after bringing design the designs, um, yeah, making it ready. Then assume the role of being the design conscious to make sure that at least um, most of what you intended
2: is realized. If, if you want to hear this from the horse's mouth, um, tomorrow at Buzz BuzzHub, we're actually going to have Joel Letang, who is in charge of that design process. He's going to share his experience of doing the design between November and uh, now. Right. The event is going to be at the end of August, um, and then we're going to have him back on the fifteenth of September, and we're going to look back at how the event went two weeks later. So sometimes creating a public, um, well, it's not called a hearing. Uh, you know, it's. It's an interview format, showing interest in how did that go, what were the findings, and obviously not all organizations are like Wikimedia Foundation. You know, the Wikimedia Foundation is about free knowledge for everyone, but it's validated by the community. But if they're they're also very keen for their steering committee and organizing committee to share these learnings because they've done 16 events back to back and it's their 20th anniversary and this is the first time in bangkok it could not happen they decided to postpone it and they couldn't postpone it longer because the jobs were not getting done that were supposed to get done with this event and now they were forced to okay let's let's find what this event looks like in august 2021 uh, and then go back into the mode of how does this help the overarching aim of the Wikimedia Foundation in their 2030 strategy uh, movement strategy so